So today I want to bring a word of hope. I hope we do it good. <laughs> but the Lord, when Adam told me he was having the surgery and the things to his mouth, I had plenty of time to prepare, obviously, but um, I didn't put it off. I just like to seek him and seek him. And then finally he gave me a word. Just He always just gives you a sentence, right? Sometimes there's no filler. He just gives you a sentence. And the sentence was, uh, tell my people not to lose hope which is a really good sentence. And so then I thought, okay, so where do I go with that? What's the text? What do I do? And so um, Annie and I and Dan had been praying uh, last Friday before uh, Adam had preached, and he, the Lord was sh just showing us that he's our shepherd. Uh, he was saying things like, my sheep hear my voice, and another they'll not follow. And prior to that, the Lord was telling me to, to, for a Tuesday night to talk about my sheep hear my voice and another they'll not follow, and all those things that go with it. And Dan started, you know, uh, we're praying. He starts praying about shepherd or whatever. So as I sat there last Sunday, I go, well, I'm going to add to I'm really going to focus on Psalm 23. And like three minutes later, Adam goes, you know, so the Lord told me 23 for 23. So he does that all the time. So then I was like, I have to find something else. But the Spirit of God then is telling us, right, Psalm 23 for 2023. And it's not just a psalm of death. It's really a psalm of life. It's nice to be said at your funeral. I'd like it to be said at mine and maybe a few songs, but I, I would rather speak it here and speak life, not just to myself, but for anyone who's going through a hard time, a devastating time. We have to say, listen, there is hope in God, and our faces, our faces should show it. But our face starts to show it when we believe it on the inside. And God's merciful to us. He gives us chances to get there, right? When we start to really believe it on the inside, that's when you look different. I remember somebody saying to me um, years ago, what's different about you? Are you pregnant? And I'm like, no. I said, it's either, it's either I went to a Mary Kay party or it's the spirit of the living God. <laughs> so I'd like to think it's the spirit of the living God. So to get started, the depth of hope we possess is determined by our understanding of who Jesus is right? It's all about Jesus, the fullness of him, to know him, not just in a textbook, not just in a song. He wants us to really know him. And I know if, if someone hasn't experienced that, it's fairly, it's hard to understand. But once you start getting into the throne room, once you start praying, once he starts answering you, it is a whole different world, right, Annie? It's like, whoa, you answered me. I can't, I can't even believe it, but we should believe it because we're praying in faith. And as that happens and the relationship strengthens, that's where we possess this hope. He is our hope. He is the only hope. So the fullness, his fullness, his goodness, his compassion, his mercy, and his great grace, he wants us to know those things about him. So <clears throat> today I really pray that we can leave here with just a little bit more hope and build on all that he's done in us already. He said not to lose hope, Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. I saw that in a song, and I thought, how powerful is that? Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Hope is found in Jesus. He is faithful. It's not an emotion. It's a person, Jesus Christ, and all will one day see that. It's not an emotion. Sometimes we just feel happy, but God gives us joy, and we are happy, right? There's a joy that fills us. Hope has a name, and that's who he is. Hope defined is this, expectation, trust, confidence. And I want to encourage us not to let go of our trust, our expectation and confidence. Don't let go of it. Don't let the lies of the enemy steal your promises in God. There are many ways that hope is stolen. 
but we're going to look at the shepherd who was our king. He is tending his flock, and his kingly authority is greater than any other authority trying to push you down and shut your mouth from praising him. And that's really the goal, right? There's two, there's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of light where the Lord wants to, to shine his glory and cause us to testify of his, of his goodness and his mercy and lead others into that kingdom. And then, of course, there's a kingdom of darkness that wants to shut you up. I say that all the time. He's just trying to steal your voice. He's trying to steal your testimony. He's trying to shut you up. So if he can get you so weary and you go from trial after trial after trial, you go for, no, I believe in God. I'm believing him. 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 I'm uh, Jesus who. And so what happens is he tries to get you to that place, but he's given us his great spirit, the spirit of God to help us in those times. So to keep hope, we must know the person, the reality of Jesus Christ. He has to be more than a song, more than a sermon, even more than a prayer. He has to be all in all. John, the apostle John, he said in First uh, John 1, he said, we proclaim you, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. They touched him. They saw him with their own hands. Imagine that, to live in that time. The author of life, the fountain from which all life flows, and he comes to us to redeem us, to dwell with us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's our hope. And to some people who aren't really uh, redeemed yet or haven't given their life to Jesus Christ, that those words really don't, you can't really understand the depths of them. But once you've been saved, once you've given your heart to Christ, once you know that he's taken you from darkness into light, those words bub bubble up inside of you. So even though we didn't live in the time of Christ as John did, we too have tasted his goodness. We have been wrapped in his glory. We have been touched by his goodness, his mercy, and his grace. We say he is life, our eternal hope. The hope that we have only comes from him, and he will keep us from slipping and falling and stumbling. That's who our God is. And so we need to remember and proclaim this great God. When we're sad, when we're disappointed, keep praising him. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't say, why is me? Why me? So we are not to lose hope. We, ha we have many opportunities in this life to become discouraged, disappointed, fearful, and worn out. And the Lord says, don't lose hope. I am a good shepherd. I'm a great shepherd and a chief, and I am the chief shepherd. Three times he's talked about in the Bible, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and he's our chief shepherd. There is no other shepherd. And he is eternally faithful. I am with you. In the good times and in the bad, I will never leave you. And I will empower you, keep your heart set on me. And see, that's what happens. If we get discouraged, the enemy also knows that our heart will not be set on, on the Lord. We're going to be set on the problem. <clears throat> Adam started last week in 2023 to remember, to tell us to remember that God is with us. That revelation alone. If he said that alone and sat down, it was so powerful to me. Because that seems like a simple truth, but that's the most powerful truth a believer can hold on to. That God is with you, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. God is truly with you. And he said, in this year, you need to remember that I'm with you. The revelation of this is really what gives us hope. It's a hope keeper. A hope keeper is to remember that God is with us. He protects us from being robbed of our... Our hope, the enemy does, but he is with us. The Lord is true. He is faithful. He hears us, and he will help us. He lives. Our Redeemer lives. Don't you love that scripture? Job says in a time of great tribulation, after he lost everything, his declaration was, as for me, I know my Redeemer lives. David was familiar with trials, betrayals, loneliness, and grief, 
but he also knew who to call on and who to look to. He said, I will lift up my eyes in Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains from where does my help come? It comes from the Lord who created heaven and earth, and he will not allow my foot to slip. He starts that psalm by saying, I will lift my eyes to the mountains. I know where my help comes from, and he will not let my feet slip. He will not let me stumble. But then he continues, and he, he declares it in a different way that we also can have faith. He starts the psalm talking about himself. Then he says, the Lord is your protector, because he learned who he was, and he could go to others. He could go to Israel as the king and say, listen, he's your protector. He's not just my protector. He's your helper. Just what he did for me, he's going to do for you. And that isn't, that's really what the gospel is all about. We get, we, he fills us, he changes us, and he delivers us, and then all we have to do is go tell about it. To me, it's the greatest thing if you like to talk. Um, you just like to share. You like to, you know, some people like to gossip, but let's gossip about Jesus Christ because it's truth. It's not even gossip. It's good kind of gossip. It's good kind of sharing. So he wants us to do what David did. So he started about himself, and he knew that who God was, and he knew where his help always came from. He always went there. It comes from him. He'll keep him from slipping, from falling, from stumbling. And he says, but the Lord is your protector too, Israel. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not beat down on you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. That's pretty powerful. He'll protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. And that's in the natural and demonic realm evil. He'll keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Those are words of truth and they're words of hope. And they're the words that we should meditate on, I believe, in 2023. He's telling them and he's telling us today, don't ever lay down your confident trust. He's your hope. One thing you can tell when you're starting to slip and you're starting to, to fade, you lose, you still have hope, but it's not a confident hope. You know that kind of confident hope? You know, sometimes somebody will come in the store like they just did this week, and there's such hopelessness all around us. And a woman said, you know, I just said to my nephews, please don't have any children. This world is so horrible. I hope they never have children. I hope, I said, you don't think anybody should have children? She goes, well, the world is bad. And it is bad. We know that. We know that times are hard. We don't have to look at all that. But where's the hope in that? You know, who wants to get rid of the children? Who wants, to, who wants to stop civilization? That's not our God. And I said to her, and she's a believer, I said, listen, you have to have hope. You have to hold on to hope. I said, there's always hope. Jesus Christ is hope. We don't have to understand why things are happening the way they're happening, right? But we need to understand and know and profess that he will th turn things around. And she said, I hope so, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty funny response. So anyway, he held on to hope. He knew him as the shepherd the one with him in the wilderness, in the strain and betrayal of relationships, times of hunger and times of near death, he understood the role of a shepherd because he once shepherded a flock. He fought the lion and he, and, he, and he killed the bear to protect the sheep. He tenderly watched over them like a warrior, destroying the predators that would devour them. We're going to look at a couple of Psalms today that shows that God does the same for us. In Luke 12, 32, Jesus said this, do not worry, do not be afraid, do not fear, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to, to give you the kingdom. It's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. And that kingdom is filled with peace, it's filled with hope, it's filled with truth, right? The enemy cannot, cannot rob from you in that kingdom. And this is a very simple message, but I'm telling you it's a message of truth, it's a message of hope. Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ is really simple. It's not that deep. The depth is him. He's the only depth in the, in the, the deepness. Is, he's the only depth. 
But the truth is, it's a simple gospel that the Father delights to give us. He calls us a little flock. We are a little flock here. And so we are part of that sheepfold. And he says, I'm going to give you the kingdom. I'm going to give you. It's my pleasure to do it for you. So we're talking about hope, truth that tries to steal our hope cannot continue when we hold on to the truth. And that kingdom is a kingdom of confident hope, constant expectation, a kingdom of faith. It's not a fairy tale kingdom. I find a lot of times when I, I speak to people, I can see it in their eyes, you know, especially like the younger generation and uh, people I work with. They, they see it almost like a fairy tale, you know, like that's a nice story. Um, is it on Netflix? Maybe I'll watch it. But the truth is, when you're testifying about what Jesus has done, it's a reality. It's a reality that can't be robbed from you, and it's a reality that you want to penetrate the hearts of the lost. So it's not a fairy tale kingdom. It exists, and we will experience in its fullness one day. We will one day be there, and I can't wait, to be, to be honest. Psalm 23, it's a comforting psalm, like I said, but it's also a, it's a psalm of comfort and a funeral, but it's a psalm of hope. So in the New King James Version, I have it here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me, and Adam touched on this last week, but so I'll copy some of the things he said already, sorry. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a psalm of victory. It's really a psalm of victory, because in the victory, David went through the hard time, and and he saw that the Lord fed him, took care of him, he led him. He provided for him in all areas of his life. He shows the enemies who, he'll show the enemy who owns us in that time, in the wilderness time. And in the throne room, he comes and he, and he delivers us. And the Lord wants us to personalize this message, this scripture, the psalm, not just for David, but for ourselves. So this is our position this year. Stay trusting the shepherd, keeping hope within our hearts. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I like how David personalizes it. He says, my shepherd. That's the first thing that hit me, even as Adam was saying it. He's my shepherd. The Lord wants every single sheep in his fold to be able to say he's my shepherd. He doesn't want you to say he's the, he's the God of my father. He wants you to say he's my God, right? He doesn't want you to say he's the God and the shepherd of the church I attend. He wants you to say, no, he's my shepherd. He wants you to take ownership of him. He wants you to hold on to him. And as you hold on to him, he's going to reveal himself in many ways and deliver us. So David declares that relationship and makes it personal and so should we. His shepherd, his confident hope, he is the fulfillment of all we need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. Peace, removal of anxious thoughts and worries. Can you imagine that? Total peace where all your anxious thoughts and your worries are put, put aside. You're not thinking about your bills. You're not thinking about your relationships. You're not thinking about anything. You're coming to those still waters, and you're just saying, Lord, I want to drink from you. I want to eat from your table. Fill me. A lot of times people don't realize going into your prayer closet. <laughs> I was thinking of Tony Ann. She thought I had a real closet. 
when you go into your prayer room and you start to pray and you're talking to the Lord, you're going to still waters. You're lying down in green pastures and you're saying, Lord, just feed me. I don't know. I'll pray for this one and that one, but I just wait on him or I just praise him and I just thank him. He's been so good to me. You know, there's a song that says, just look at her life. You don't think God is good? He's, he is good. Just look at your life. Look what he's done. Look at the freedom. Look at what he's done for you. Don't look at the negative. Look how far he's brought you. So we go to those still waters and we wait upon him and we drink of those still waters. And we know, you know, I don't know all the absolutes about this, but I do know that, that sheep cannot drink from, from moving streams. They can't do it. It drowns them. They need still waters. And that's how we are. The Lord's not looking for us to have a 25-course meal when we go to church or we go to prayer. Sometimes he just wants you to feast on one little line. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Those are still waters. Those are places where it will go deep into your soul, and it will restore you. Peace, removal of anxious thoughts and worries. He hears, we hear his voice in a place of peace. You can't hear him when you're in turmoil. You hear your own thoughts. You hear it's booming within you. And if you can't stop it, that you keep going and say, Lord, I'm going to keep coming to those voices. Stop. I need to have peace. I need to have quietness. Do you ever have a place where all of a sudden it's so quiet, you think, do I have dementia? Because there's no thoughts going through your mind. And then I realized that he's just been getting me more and more in prayer to that place of peace and that place of settledness and just waiting and not talking in my head all the time. He wants us to be at rest so that we can hear his voice and we can receive his truth. Because the mindset on him, it says what in the word? Is perfect peace. Perfect, total peace. Oops, do this again. So he restores our soul. He leads us in the path of righteousness, not for our glory, not for our gain, but he does it really for his own righteousness and for his namesake and to prove that everything he said to us and about us is true. It's like I said I was going to do that for Aaron. I'm going to do that for him. I told him he'd get that buck. <laughs> you know, so he, he does it for his namesake in so many different ways. He alone, Christ alone, accomplishes restoration. He is the one that we look to, and he is the one that our hope lies in. He heals our soul, not just our outer man, but he heals the inner man, the inner man. He wants us strong. He wants to remove all the past hurts. He wants to remove all the past pains, all the wrong thinking, all the wrong doctrines. He heals our soul, our inner man, our outer man. He gives us his spirit within us, giving us life and healing. For his namesake, he is faithful and true, and we declare his faithfulness for his glory. Never for own gain. Never to say, look what God did for me. Look what I have. Look what you don't have. We're declaring his glory. In verse 4, he says, he says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. That's what Adam said. We have to know he's with us. Sometimes I just say, Lord, I know you're with me. I know that you're with me. I know that you'll show me what to do. I know that you'll show me what to pray. I know that you are with me. I know you'll show me how to pray for my family, for my sisters, for my brothers, for those who don't know you. Those things should be top priority, right? I know that you'll show me. And I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear that they'll be lost. I'm believing that they will gain you. They will know you. Whatever you're praying for, I'll, even though you walk through that valley, you're not going to fear any evil. Don't listen in that valley to the voice of the enemy. Don't think that what he's saying to you is true. They'll never change. They're not going to get saved, you know, because we know people too well sometimes. But God knows them better. He sees the end from the beginning. And he says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I believe that the saints that are surrounding us right now, I truly believe that the saints that are surrounding us right now and the great crowd of witnesses and all the angels assigned to, to us are declaring, don't quit, don't stop. I really believe that. I love that scripture where it says, 
we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses. Well, it's got to mean something, right? We don't see into the realm that they, they can see into our realm, we can't see into theirs. But the Bible says that there's a myriad of angels around us. You know, some say we have guardian angels. I do believe that. I believe there's angels in this room. I believe there's angels on the stage when they're singing the song. I believe there's angels when you, when you preach the gospel. Can't see them, but the word is full of the evidence of it, and he says they're there. It does says that there's a great a crowd of witnesses cheering us on, it says, right? So there's cheerleaders all around us that we can't hear saying, come on, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop now. Look how far you got. You're going to quit now? I heard the saddest story last week that an 80-year-old man a friend of mine came to work. First, somebody, somebody died suddenly that she knew. And then the next day, she came in and said um, her father, her, her good friend's father, 80 years old, he took his life. 80 years old. I can't even imagine. 80 years old, he took a life. And he wrote, I didn't want to be a burden. It just makes me, I don't even know him. It made me just want to cry because I thought, Lord, we can never, we can never lose that kind of hope. You know, where was the church? You know, what, you know, what happens? We have to be mindful and tell people in the hour that we live there is hope, right? And not just say it with our words, but with our life to help them and to be with them and to, to take the lies of the enemy away from their minds so that tragedy would not happen. So we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And in Luke 18, he says this. Jesus says, um, now he, Jesus, was telling them a parable to show that all, at all times, they ought to pray and not become discouraged, not grow faint, not give up, not to lose hope. And that's where the angels' voices come in, and that's where the crowd of witnesses come in, and that's where each other comes in, and that's where the word of God comes in, where we say, Lord, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue to believe you, and I want to be a voice for others that are going through a hard time that I can say that to them too, right? Because he will not leave us and will not forsake us. And we are his hands and his feet. And we have a responsibility to those that would get to that kind of um, darkness and despair. It's not for his people. David is saying, even when it looks hopeless, even when the darkness sets in, it looks like it's over physically, financially, emotionally. And I can't even remember a Bible verse to encourage myself in this valley. Did you ever have that? You can't even think of a scripture to encourage you. Or you can't, David could have said, there's not even self-service in this valley, and I can't even look up the scripture of the day. I was just thinking how many times you just can't even receive it because you're so heavy-hearted, right? You're just pushing it aside. You're so down. I used to call Dawn before cell phone service time, before we even had cell phones. I'd be at work. If I was having a bad day, I'd call her up, and I'd say, just read me a scripture, any scripture. I don't care. Just open the Bible and read me a scripture. And so, because it's a source of life. It's our food. It's our sustenance. It's what gives us hope. It's what gives us strength. And so she would do that for me every time. Now we have a cell phone right at our hands, scripture wherever we need it. But what happens when that time comes when you can't use your cell phone, right? And you're in the wilderness like David comes, like he was. He had nothing, nothing. So when we come to that place that that happens, you have to believe still that he is your shepherd. And that's what David was saying. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. There's no self-service. He's saying, even though it looks dark, the reality is this. He's my shepherd, and I will go through with him. I shall not want. He is restoring me, filling me, and giving me his great peace. David declares, you are with me. This is hope. You are my shepherd, equipped for battle. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't that powerful? The rod is a symbol of the Lord's strength and protection, used as a weapon to fight off wild animals who might have hoped to make an easy meal out of a defenseless sheep. That's what he looks for. That one's going through a hard time. I'm going to have a good meal out of that one. 
But then what happens is God arises within them, and the sheep and the wolf goes running. We can't always feel the staff, but we know that when we look back, as he leads us with his staff, that we know that we have been directed by him. We have been taken all the way through. Only my shepherd king could have taken me through from death to life with his rod and his staff. He says in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Sometimes I'm just like, Lord, let it be today that you prepare that table in front of my enemies. Let it happen today. But we know that sometimes there's a delay in things, and even in that, God has given us hope. When things look bad, keep eating his word. Feast from his table. Your enemies will flee, and his, and his presence and the oil of his anointing will be seen overflowing, delivering us, and flowing to others. And one way that happens is you get filled with the word, and the enemy knows, well, i got to move on because they're not taking the bite. They're not taking the bait. They're not listening to my words. They're listening to the voice of the, uh, to the, to the shepherd, so we got to flee. Romans 8 says, Paul declares, after his many dangers and tribulations and trials, Paul went through it just like David, right? He says in in Romans 8, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In the NLT in verse 35, it says, 835, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? He covered it all. No, despite all these things, verse 37, Despite all these things, overwhelmingly victory is ours through Christ who loved us. In spite of anything we may experience, hope is always there reaching out to us. Always. He is the God of hope. Always. He's always there. Verse 38. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our shepherd king. That's our shepherd. He's full of love. This is our great hope, and in in this reality of Christ, the keeper of our soul, we continue knowing with confident, expectant expectant hope. How was that? God is with us. In verse 6, he says, surely. And so this is the conclusion we all have to come to. We go through trials. We go through stuff. Verse 6 is what we should always come to. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, even in the wilderness and trials that try to take us, we need to declare, I know that goodness and mercy are upon me. Goodness and mercy will follow me. His goodness and mercy will always be with us all the days of our lives. No matter the ups and downs of life, we should always thank God for his goodness and mercy. It declares that he hasn't left us. We're saying that to the, to, to the powers of darkness. We're saying it to each other. It might look like he left me right now, but I'm telling you he did not. I not, might not look as good as I did a few days ago, but I'm telling you he's with me today. I might be having a lot of pain in my mouth, but I know I'll preach again, right? So I might not understand a hard time, but I do know that I do know my Lord. I know my Lord. I personalize him. I know him. And I don't have all the answers, but I want to tell you he is my Lord, and we can all say that. I can't say it sometimes without, without really crying. He's my Lord, and he's with me, and he's never failed me. He's done so much for me. It would take me a lifetime to tell And I know he is faithful to his promises. Then he ends declaring our future. This is our future. Some people don't like to talk about going to heaven. I talk about it all the time. 
There's one girl I work with, she said, stop talking about death. I go, I'm not talking about death, I'm talking about life. Then he ends declaring our future. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a real place. It's not a fairy tale. Like I said, we are going into glory. It's a real place. There's a lot of noise up there. There's a lot happening. We have family there. We have friends there. The king is there. Paul is there. Daniel's there. Moses is there. But I want to see Jesus. First and foremost, I'm going to see him. And he's preparing a place for us right now. He says, we will dwell in the house in the Lord forever. That's our future and our hope, dwelling forever in the kingdom of light with the God of light and the God of endless love, the Savior who purchased us and adopted us, and he, and he is anticipating our arrival. Some people really don't understand that. I pray their hearts would be open even now that Jesus Christ is awaiting our arrival. He wants to touch you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to give your life to him in a greater way. Psalm 103, 100, verse 3, sorry, says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So all of Psalm 23 pertains to us. We are the sheep of his pasture. A thousand years before Christ even came to this earth, David wrote of him in Psalm 23. Isn't that amazing? John 10:11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's the enemy himself who tries to get us in fear and despair. Verse 10 says, the thief only comes to steal, steal kill, and destroy. But I came that they would have life and have it abundantly. God looks for abundance. The enemy likes to take it. And God says, no, I'm giving them the abundance. You can't have that. You cannot have that. So we're living in a time we need to give people hope. Don't give up. Make sure don't give up. Don't let anybody else give up. So don't lose your hope. Don't get devastated. Don't be so despaired that you think nothing's going to happen. Sometimes the Lord has to adjust us. We think, why is all these things happening? But he's, he's working us, right? He's working in us in the midst of it. Though we don't like to wait. And in the waiting, we get robbed of our hope. But really what he's doing is working in us. You know, I like this one of my favorites. It says, uh, 1 Peter 5.10, and after you have suffered a little while, it's funny, right? You think suffered a little while, it's been a long time this trial. But he always calls it suffer. It's really funny. Or he talks it a light affliction, right? A light affliction, you're half dead. But he says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal hope and glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's what he's doing in the meantime. He's restoring you. He's establishing you. He's strengthening you. You know why? Because now when somebody else goes through something, you have the power. The power of your words are filled with authority because you went through it. You carry that part of Christ with you that you can say to them, no, you're not going to stay here. God's going to bring you there. You just got to deal with this attitude. You just have to deal with these areas. You just have to keep trusting. He's a faithful God. He's not going to just give his children everything they want when they want, you know, immediately. He wants them to um, reflect who he is. So that was a sideline. So don't let others get depressed. Don't let them go hopeless. Speak of the goodness of God. Sometimes that's what I pray over people. Lord, I just pray the goodness of God over Emily. I speak the goodness of God. The goodness of God over her grandson, right? The goodness of God over her children. What a better way to pray for somebody. I pray for the mercy of God, right? The mercy of God on Rick's family. Just the goodness and the mercy of God. His grace, his tremendous grace. There's no way God won't answer those prayers. So the enemy comes to steal. He uses fear. He uses sickness. He uses delayed promises, saying that there's no help for you in God. But listen to this psalm. This is like one of this. I'm going to say it's my favorite psalm, but I know not to say that here. They're all my favorites, right? They're all my favorites. Okay, Psalm three. I sent a couple of you that song this morning. Psalm three is really definitely. I'm going to have to say right now my favorite psalm. I'm not going to read all of it. 
But verse 1, I think, through 4, it says, for time's sake, I'm just going to read some of it through 6, maybe. Oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. Isn't that funny? It makes me laugh when I hear that really now. My version in my Bible says there's no help for you in God. And when I hear somebody say there's no help for you in God or give you that look or you think nothing's going to change or if I hear the voice of the enemy, there's no help for you in God, I think you don't know my God. There is help for me in God. Because then David says, but you, O Lord. So David is having this situation. His enemies are against him. They're all mocking him. And they're saying that you're not going to be rescued and you're not going to be helped. Do you ever have that? You've gone through this trial for a long time. It's over, right, Rick? It's over. And yet he goes like this. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. That means he lifts you from looking downward and looking upward. You're looking up at the mountain like David said. Where does my help come from? My help comes from God, my God, my king, my shepherd. And then verse 4, I love it. He says, I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. This is God who created everything. You think you're just talking and he's not hearing? He's hearing you. I cried to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. When we cry out to God, he hears us. Please understand that. Don't just understand today that he's your shepherd. Understand that when you cry out to him, he hears you. He hears you from his holy mountain. When we cry out to, the, to God, he hears us. Incredible to think about. Out of his holy hill, the place, the place he rules from, sitting on his throne with the praises and the angels and the, saint, the saints, you know, making all kinds of noise out up there. And yet one little cry, he hears you. And he listens and he comes to rescue you. He says, I laid down to sleep. This is continuing. His enemies are against him. He actually has hitmen looking for him to, to take him down. And in verse 5, he says, I lay down and slept, yet I woke in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. He didn't fear. He knew that the Lord was watching him. He knew his eye was upon him. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, O God. Slap, I love this, slap all my enemies in the face, shatter the teeth of the wicked. I just like that part. Sometimes they just need to be smacked down. And verse 8 says, victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. We have to know he hears us. We have to know there is victory. There is fullness of life in God, fullness of life. And the, the, the throne room, our voice is in the throne room. It just blows me away. My Bible says that my sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. But I want to tell you, the Lord knows your voice. That's what's really important. We know the voice of the Lord, but he knows your voice. You just don't think he does. He knows everything about you. He's waiting for you to cry out. Then he's waiting for you to cry louder. Then he's waiting for you to ask. Then he's waiting for you to ask again. Then he's waiting for you to knock. See, he doesn't stop. He wants you to get more of him and more of him. Ask, seek, knock, don't stop, don't give up. He hears your voice. He wants you to return to him. Some may say to you, it's hopeless. Nothing will ever change. Your own thoughts may be telling you that there's no hope. But this psalm says differently. Lord, I cried to you, and you have answered, and I'm crying to you again. Help me. Strengthen me, and I will continue to declare your great, and your great grace and mercy, your goodness, in the assembly of your, of your anointed ones. He is a good God. Verse 5 to 6, oh, I just said that, how he was, being, he was being attacked. He was threatened. They were coming after David. He knew he had many enemies, and he knew his, his life could be taken. But he was able to sleep with confidence. It was just him. He didn't have a bodyguard. At this point, it was just him. He had the greatest bodyguard. He had the king of kings and lord of lords. He's a warrior in the midst of us. He's not just a shepherd. He's not just a lamb. 
He's a mighty warring king. The Bible says the Holy One of Israel is in your midst, a mighty warrior. Am I saying that right? Warrior. I'm talking like Annie. He's a mighty warrior. So we need to hope in God and allow him to say, I am not afraid. Allow and say, we are not afraid, just like David did, of 10,000 enemies that surround me. I will never lose my confidence in God, no matter what comes. Along with Paul, along with David, we too can say he is our shepherd and he hears our voice. We need to taste and see that the Lord is good. He is constant. He's not moody and fickle like we are. You know, one day you're somebody's best friend, and the next minute they're like annoyed that you're even talking to them, right? We've all done that. But we need to see that God is constant. He's never, he never does that to us. He doesn't roll his eyes to us. He doesn't not listen to us. He's always waiting to speak. He wants, he listens. He actually listens. You know, you talk to, we're all ADD anymore, right? So I'm talking to you, your eyes are bouncing around, you know, thinking of other things. Our Lord doesn't do that. He is like in your face, straight, looking through you, listening to every word. Don't grow weary. Don't quit. You might be right at the edge of the Jordan River and you don't even know it. You know, sometimes people are, that's it, I'm done. I quit. You ever hear that? Oh, I quit, I'm done. That's never true. I hear that at work all the time from people, and I say it myself. I'm quit, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Truth is, I show up the next day, and the next day with a renewed hope. And sometimes it's true. We're right at the edge of the Jordan, ready to cross over. We're right there, getting ready to go into the promised land to see what God has done for us. He never changes. The same God that David knew the same God that Moses experienced and that Hannah wept before, cried out to in her despair. He's our God, and he will work his power in our life, and we must not lose hope. Knowing the shepherd, knowing he hears us when we cry gives us hope. Psalm 34, another favorite of mine really quick before um, in a few minutes these guys are going to come up and we're going to just end with a song. But in Psalm 34 it says this, and these are really amazing scriptures again. When I hear... When, it, when I read the words in the Bible where it says, he heard me, it just blows me away. It's Psalm 30, ooh, that was a bit my tongue. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamped around all those who fear him. There's those angels again. They're around you. You just can't feel them. They're talking. They're singing. They're doing what they do. They are there. We need to meditate and be mindful of those things, and we won't be so earthbound. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, all you saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Imagine, I fear the Lord. There's no want. I'm not going to lack anything. I'm not talking about material things. I don't, it doesn't, those things aren't what God cares about. He gives them to us, and we need them on this planet. I understand that. But when he says no want, you're going to be filled with the fullness of God. You're going you're to be able to testify of the solid truth, the wholeness of the Father, the love of God. You'll be able to share the love of God. You'll be able to, to testify about the peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace is a funny thing, isn't it? How do you describe peace, God's peace? It's not as the world gives, that's what he says. But the peace I give you, it's everlasting peace. It's heavenly peace. There is substance to this peace. It manifests as his presence. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. He says, and he even blesses us for trusting him. You can't outgive God. You trust me, I'm going to bless you for that. I'm going to, I'm going to save you, I'm going to rescue you. 
Oh, fear the Lord, all you saints. There's no want for him. Fear the Lord, fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. You're not going to be left hanging dry. Psalm 3, where it says, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I'm almost done if you guys want to come up. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. He heard me out of his holy hill. I want us to just to think about that for a second, his holy hill. He heard me and responded. He heard me from his holy hill where his throne room is in the heavenlies, in the kingdom of God. That's where he's hearing us from. He's hearing us from his perspective, where in his perspective, there's only, there's only life, right? There's nothing negative there. It's only life. It's yay and amen. I hear you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm on my way. Thank, uh, listen, he's like, listen, Jeannie's calling out to me. Let's fill her with joy. Let's give her our peace. Let's do something. Get going, you know, this angel and that angel. Let's, let's answer. He hears us in the throne room from his holy hill. It's our future home, and he heard in the place of love and power. He answered from glory and brought glory to, to this earth upon our lives. The kingdom of God is yes and amen. So when he's answering you from his holy hill, have that picture in your mind. He's not just sitting around watching a movie, let me turn it off and answer you. He's sitting in glory. He's sitting in glory that we can't understand. And he heard us. He heard me. Psalm 34, 4 says the same thing. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And I just want to speak for one second about what it means that he hears us. I looked it up, um, not that I know um, Greek, or he- Greek or Hebrew, but I read a passage that did. He says the word here, heard, in both these psalms means to answer with a response. Isn't that powerful? He's not just hearing us like we hear. I mean, all of a sudden I thought about when Dawn was little, mom, 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 maybe 20 minutes later, like what? I remember once a friend said, will you answer your daughter, right? And so you do that as a parent sometimes, right? Or you do it with people at work, you do it with your grandson, whatever. You're just, it takes you a while to realize or understand, not that you're ignoring them, but it takes you a few seconds to be like, okay, what, right? Or it's like, what? But God's not like that. He's not like that. He hears immediately, and he's answering with a response. He's not just listening and thinking about five other things like we do. He's answering you with a response. The next time you go to prayer, understand that he hears you, and he's answering you with a response. He hears with action. It's not a passive listening, but it's I hear you, and I am taking action. This verse should cause our countenance to rise above every obstacle and trial. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and I cried to him, and he answered. It's a little different when you know that, isn't it? When you really understand it? The truth of this will make us radiant, removing the fears and worries that we, and we can lift our heads, the glory of his presence. He lifts our heads and lets us see now. Look at me on my throne, listening to you. Don't look at the problem. Stop looking at the problem. It's not going away just looking at it. Stop thinking about it. Stop meditating on it. Just come to me. The Bible says, come to me, all who are, who are weak and heavy laden. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Uh, we talked about that one, t- one Tuesday night, and I, I, I was reading something a farmer said. He said his daddy was a farmer in Alabama, and he never put two, um, like two donkeys, oxen, whatever, together. He'd always put a strong one with a weak one. He would never do, do two weeks, and he would never do two strong ones. And the scripture says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. The greatest place to be is to be yoked to the Lord. So he takes his strength. He's the strong oxen, 
And we are the weak one. We're weak. And he lets that yoke go around his, not the yoke, egg yolks. He lets the, oak, the yoke go around him. And then it goes around us. And then what happens? We're walking in his strength. We're walking in his power. We're walking in his love. We're walking in his humility. We're finding out that he's gentle. He's humble of heart. He's not angry with us. He knows we're going through something. We're walking through the trial. We're walking through the tribulation. And we are saying, but Lord, you are strong. I'm not weak anymore. I'm, I'm walking with you step by step. I can't believe I'm keeping up. And he's like, I'm doing it for you. You're walking with me. Isn't that powerful? And I will answer and I will deliver you. I've not left you. I am your God. So make him your continual hope and be aware that he is with you. Stay yoked to him and find rest for your soul. Abide in him, declaring the Lord is my shepherd and he hears my voice and he answers me. There's a lot of hope killers out there. Be aware of them. Hope killers. But we will continue look, looking to the one who holds all things in his hands, who has authority and power. Jesus will start something that the enemy cannot stop. I heard somebody say that. I like that. Jesus will start something for you that the enemy cannot stop. It might look like he's interfering. He cannot stop it. Whatever Jesus starts for you, he's going to finish. It won't stop. Jesus will start it, and he's going to do it for his treasured ones. We are his treasured ones. <laughs> 